Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Build your network episode 44. Hey, everybody. This is Chris Harder, founder and host of the hit podcast For the Love of Money, where we believe that when good people make good money, they do great things. And if you want to get your money mindset right, then you need to be listening to Build Your Network with my good friend, Travis Chappell. You have the ambition, the knowledge, and the experience, but still lack those relationships necessary for achieving true success. Welcome to Build Your Network, your guide to growing your inner circle, increasing your influence, and assisting others in reaching their goals. This is networking the way it should be, brought to you by your host, Travis Chappell. What is up and welcome to the one and only show that brings you tips and tricks on networking from the best experts around three days a week. Although they may not all be in the same field, every guest that comes on the show has one very important thing in common. They believe, as I do, that building relationships is crucial to achieving success in life. I cannot wait to introduce you to today's guest, but first... If you're listening to this, then there's a good chance that you're serious about building your network. If that's you, and only if you're serious, you should definitely check out my Facebook group, Build Your Network Beta. If you want more personal engagement, proven connection strategies and tactics, and some awesome giveaways like shopping sprees, beats, headphones, etc., etc., then head on over to byn.media forward slash FB to join the group, or you can search Facebook groups for Build Your Network Beta and join there. And once you do, please be sure to introduce yourself and say what's up, and I will catch you there. And now let's go ahead and chat with today's guest, Chris Harder. 
Chris, after an 11-year career as an executive and partner in the banking industry, experienced plenty of success. However, he severely lacked fulfillment and was completely burned out. Recognizing that a change needed to be made, he retired from banking in 2011 and partnered with his wife, Lori, and her brand, LoriHarder.com, along with their Isogenics network marketing business. Chris now handles most of the business affairs and business coaching for their two multi-million dollar brands and has found exactly the fulfillment and happiness he was seeking in a career. Chris is the host of the new hit podcast for the love of money aimed at helping people bust through their limiting money mindset beliefs in order to become unapologetic about their pursuit of wealth and success. Chris's belief is that when good people make good money, they do great things. It's through interviewing business moguls and celebrities and exposing their exciting stories of contribution and philanthropy that he helps prove that money is a tool for good in a world with many needs. Chris, thanks so much for coming on the show today, brother. Why don't you go ahead and expound on the intro a little bit and then tell us more about yourself. Travis, totally my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. So a little bit about myself, you know, one wife, one dog, no kids yet living in sunny Santa Monica, like we were just chatting about. I love it here, but I was Midwest born and raised. So quite the departure from the West coast. Yeah. And I always, I kind of like to joke that if you're, if you're born and raised in the Midwest where you have like really good values instilled into you and a good foundation and this crazy good work ethic, and then you take it to one of the coasts, that's like the ultimate combination because the coasts have all the opportunity and you know, it's kind of yeah. where the dreams come true. Right. And the Midwest is where you can develop some of those muscles needed to take advantage of that opportunity. And so that's exactly what both my wife, Lori, and I did. We're both Midwest born and raised. And as soon as we had the financial wherewithal to move out here to California, that's what we did. Because we, well, there's really two reasons. One is the sunshine. I mean, I, I'm having a lie. It was the sunshine. <laughs> Yeah, and number two, my only sibling, my brother Nick, was already living out here. And every time I'd visit him, I'd say, why aren't I living out here? Yeah. And so we made it a goal, and it took longer than we thought, but we made it happen. That's funny you mentioned that. My first mentor was born and raised in Iowa and then moved out to California, and I met him when he was out here. And exactly what you're saying, he's just hardest working, just good old boy with integrity, but found the opportunity out here on the West Coast. So it's, fun, it's funny that you should mention that. So I read off in your, in your bio a little bit about your career in banking. So a really good industry to get into and probably a job that a lot of people would really see themselves as successful for having. Talk to us about the transition that you made from corporate America into entrepreneurship and what kind of sparked that. Yeah, for sure. I think for me to talk about that transition, I have to first kind of tell you what it was like for me in corporate America. So I was actually a college dropout. And I guess when I say dropout, I mean, they drop kicked me out of college. <laughs> After two and a half years, they're like, you're no longer welcome here. <laughs> and you'd think one would be like devastated, right? But I wasn't. I was so happy because sitting in a classroom and learning was not my thing. It's the worst. Like getting out and doing and, and like making money and being an entrepreneur or climbing the ranks of a business. That's what like spoke to me and I couldn't wait to start doing it. So I left college and I got a job selling cars. Why? Because I loved cars, right? Seemed logical. And I just crushed it right away. That's kind of where I started to learn the art of sales and the, the art of relationship building. And so after just three months from getting into the car sales, I became the top salesman, out 25 salesmen there. Hmm. And then they promoted me to the F&I department which is, you know, that department that arranges your loans and your warranties right, and your right. financing and all that stuff. And really that department is just all sales too. Don't let them fool you. They are selling you and making a profit. And so I got into that department and when the head of that department was leaving a few months later, I got promoted to run that whole department as well. So now I've learned sales, I've learned relationship building, 
and I was starting to cut my teeth on leadership. Hmm. And after about a year and a half doing that, all my friends were starting to go over to the mortgage business because there's this big mortgage boom starting to happen back then. And this was probably late, late 90s, like 99, something like okay. that. I'd have to check my timeline. And I wanted to make the money that they were making, of course. And so I thought, hey, I'm going to take these skills. I'm going to go over the mortgage business. And I got a job with this huge international bank, uh, kind of starting out in subprime lending for them. And I was just a, a regular old loan officer. Mm -hmm. But I crushed it. I loved it. To me, it was just more sales and more relationship building. And, and it was like a, a competition for me. And right. I, I just really enjoyed it. What you enjoy, you do really well at, right? So I enjoyed it and I became the number one loan officer in literally in the United States out of thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of loan officers. So then they gave me a branch and then they gave me a bigger branch. You know, I was branch manager over these branches. And then they gave me a district and then a division. And before you knew it, like a region. And I was one of the fastest rising executives at the world's largest international bank at this time. So for a college dropout, not too bad. Not too shabby, uh, yeah. It was really exciting. It was a great period of time in my life. It was, if you've ever seen the movie like The Big Short or Boiler Room mm -hmm. or, gosh, there's another good one. I forget what it is. That's what it was like. It's just like this really fun sales atmosphere, competition atmosphere, scoreboard atmosphere. And everyone was making money, so everyone was having a good time. And everyone was having a good time until the Great Recession mm. hit. Mm. And that is just like everything turned off like a faucet. Not so much and, fun. Oh, it's horrible. And so I went from this really fun, encouraging sales type atmosphere where I was training, gosh, literally, I think I had maybe a thousand people below me at the time on sales and leadership and all that fun stuff to flying around for a year, closing down branches and letting people go. Wow. It was the worst point of my life, the worst year of my life. And I gained pounds. My marriage was a disaster because I was a disaster. And, you know, so if you're not a happy individual, you're not a happy partner either. And something needed to change. Well, after a year of flying around with this international bank, closing down their branches, it became my turn. They said, hey, we'd love to give you a demotion of a demotion of a demotion to this branch in Jersey and wait this thing out. Or you can have a severance package. And I was so done. I'm like, severance package, please. I remember yeah. my boss and my boss's boss both said to me, they're like, wait, don't you want to go home and talk to Lori about this? I'm like, nope, trust me. She wants me out of here. So <laughs> I took the severance package. And this is the sad part. It was one of those big multi-six-figure severance packages. And we had made you know, just a ton of money, especially for young people in their 20s up to that point. But we spent it all. And then some. And mm -hmm. then some. And then some. And so I had to spend the entire severance package just paying off debt and getting back to zero. Matter of fact, getting back to below zero. I kid you not, we sold all of our fancy cars. We sold, except for one that was so far upside down, we couldn't sell it. We sold this great big home that we had just gotten into. Like, you name it, we we're living way beyond our means. Hmm. And to compound that, there were no jobs available during this part of the recession, especially for bankers that were a college dropout, regardless of my fancy title I held. And so a friend of mine who I used to work with, his name was Todd, he had started this tiny little mortgage brokerage and he called me up. He said, come over and partner up with me. You know, I know what you're good at. You know what I'm good at. They're opposite skill sets. Let's blow this thing up. And because I really didn't have any other options, right? Of course, I was like, sweet, I'll do it. And yeah, we blew it up. Matter of fact, in the three years that were the tail end of the recession, we took it from this little nothing mortgage brokerage 
to 155 employees in seven states doing $330 million a year in loans. Wow. And, you know, during the recession, that's insane growth. Oh, yeah. Anything in the real estate field in that recession period. I mean, this is, this is what, probably 2006 to 2009-ish, somewhere in there? No, I think I left the international bank around 2008, 2009. And so we grew this from, let's say, 2009, 10, and 11. Okay. Right? okay. Everyone's just kind of catching their breath and, mm-hmm. and figuring mm-hmm. out what just happened. Exactly. And so, you know, you'd think that'd be a success story, but it wasn't because I wasn't making any money there despite the fast growth because all the money was being put back into the company. And as this junior, tiny, fractional partner compared to what Todd had had owned in the company. And I was miserable. I didn't like the people I worked with. I didn't like going to work. And Todd and I wanted to run the company in very opposite Mm. ways. And so it wasn't working out. And I became more miserable and more miserable and more miserable. And so... Finally, obviously something had to change and it was right about this time that two different businesses for us on the side were starting to take off. And one of those was my wife's brand. You know, at the time it was a, she owned a small fitness studio in Minneapolis and she had just started this little online workout program too. And then a network marketing company that we joined with, we just dabbled in and realized you could make some money in it after being resistant for like over a year to even sharing it. And so I, Lori sat me down. She's like, why don't you leave the business and we'll work on these two businesses together. We can totally blow this up. And that seemed like the most appealing thing on the planet. And that's what I did. I, I pulled out of my partnership and, and came home, so to speak, to work with Lori to blow up her brand and blow up that network marketing company that we had. And, you know, as people from the outside looking in would say it was this massive success story and this trajectory that went so quickly. And while it did, yes, they don't see all the work and the ups and the downs and hmm. and the sweat and, and the tears and all that stuff that kind of goes into the back end, right? They right, just see the right. end result. And so um, really blessed to have made that transition. It saved our marriage. It saved our finances. It saved you know everything. And, and now we have the ability to make such huge impact on the world that we just didn't have when I was in the banking world. Wow. Wow. Incredible story. So many takeaways from that. But I think that one of the biggest ones is when you were talking about how, you know, it's just funny because people will always look at the success story that you have now and maybe just in the network marketing company that you're in and then just mark it up to luck and timing or something like that. And like you were saying, they didn't see all the things that were going on behind the scenes. I mean, some of those things would be the 15 plus however many years you had in experience in sales with car sales and then financing with the cars and then being a mortgage broker, mortgage banker, and all that entire time, you're building a skill set of how to sell, how to build relationships with people, how to market yourself, how to do all these different things. And then when you got into a good opportunity, then you blew it up. And I think it's funny when people just attribute it to luck or attribute it to timing when you, but you didn't see all the stuff that was going on before this was the thing to take us to the next level. And so I've got a theory around that. You know, the reason why people call people overnight successes is they really don't know any better because they don't see you until they see you. Right. And if you think about it, why do they finally see you is because you finally have gotten that traction and that momentum and that visibility that you worked so hard to get. Mm-hmm. And so if they don't see you until they see you, that means they didn't get to see all the back work. They didn't get to see all the time it took to get up there. All they know is, wow, I found this guy a couple months ago and he seems to be crushing it. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just happy. I'm happy that we got to talk about the foundation before we talked about this success, because that is ultimately the most important thing. And I think, I think it's Grant Cardone that always says, you know, yeah, I'm an overnight success. It took me 25 years, but I'm an overnight success. You know, and it's just like, yep. it's, you put in the work and then the opportunities will create themselves. And then you have more skill set, more knowledge, more connections to be able to take advantage of those opportunities when you get in there. So, so much great stuff there, Chris. I'm curious to know your answer to this question. This is one that I ask just about every guest that comes on the show, given your experience and knowledge, and then also the circle you've been able to grow, circle of influence you've been able to grow over the past few years. Do you believe that what you know or who you know is more important and why? Ooh, I definitely think who you know is more important. As a matter of fact, I'll take option C and that is what you do is most important. And in particular, what you do for who you know. Hmm. And here's what I mean by that. I feel like if you have a heart of service and you know all the right people and you're being of service to those right people, then you will never want for a connection. You'll never want for a tip. You'll never want for an inside scoop. You'll never want for somebody to reach out and and help you out. You'll never want for anything. And so that combination of knowing the right people and being of great service to those people, trying to do everything you can to unselfishly help them out on their journey is really the secret to success. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a, a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters. Is, is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. And tell us about a time in your life, Chris, specifically one story that you could pull out that tells us about when a connection led to a big moment of success for you? Oh gosh, I've got so many. Okay, let's think about this. Well, how about with the people that I interview on my podcast? A lot of these are celebrity entrepreneurs and and people that I don't yet know or have not yet met, but 
because I have helped out other individuals in my life that do know these people. They are sending me guests left and right. You know, you have a podcast. You know what it's like to have to keep a good lineup of guests constantly in, in the hopper, <laughs> in the pipeline. It's tough, right? I feel so blessed that because the number one question I ask all of my friends and acquaintances is, hey, you know, what are your goals? What are you working on? How can I help you? Oh, I know a guy or, oh, I know a thing or, oh, I know a way. Because I'm always pouring into them, they make it their mission to pour in back to me. And not a day goes by where I don't get, matter of fact, confession time, I feel a little guilty. I don't respond to these emails quick enough. Like if there's any area I need to get better, it's responding to my messages and emails where friends are introducing me to these other possible guests Hmm. because they're coming in by the droves. And I'm excited about that. I'm grateful for that because it saves me from having to go out and knock on these doors and try and get these people's attention when a lot of times you can't get these people's attention. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Where maybe you might not even ever be able to get a hold of them or you're lost in an inbox of thousands of other people, but they get an email intro from somebody that they know to you, then obviously that's going to be a lot more effective that way. Yeah, absolutely. Without a doubt. So with this being such an important skill set with networking, I know that's kind of a buzzword for a lot of people. They don't like that word, but whatever you want to call it, relationship building, growing your inner circle, networking, whatever you want to call it, with it being so important and so valuable, why do you think, Chris, that so many people neglect to do it? I think it's outside of their comfort zone. And this is what people will find massively interesting. Despite everything I've just said, I am a huge introvert. I mean, I keep to myself. I put the headphones in. I don't talk to the guy in the airplane seat next to me. When I walk around, I don't strike up conversations. I am a massive introvert. But my heart of service and the joy that I get from connecting other people and helping them hit their goals takes over that introvert inside of me and makes me take those actions. And so if people aren't, you know, if they know this is the secret to success, but they aren't following through with it. I really think it's because of their fear of judgment. They're afraid that if they speak up and make a bad introduction, they'll be judged. They're afraid that if they speak up and introduce themselves, someone might not like them. Hmm. They're afraid that, you know, if they speak up and say what's on their mind or share their good idea, that somebody will laugh at it. And it's that fear of judgment that really is the fear that we won't be loved enough that every single thing stems from. And so when you find yourself not taking action, You really have to ask yourself, not, oh, why am I lazy? Oh, why am I not taking action? You have to say, what am I afraid of? And whatever that answer is, say, why is that? And start peeling back those layers to find out what your real root cause is that's holding you back from making these introductions or reaching out to people. As an introvert myself, I completely second that. I would say probably for me, the biggest skill that I can improve on, and I do think that it's a skill that helps me come out of my shell more and talk to people and not care what they think is confidence. Would you agree with that? And what kind of a role has confidence played in you being able to come out and talk to whoever you want to talk to? Huge. Confidence is something that you're not given or born with, by the way. It is something that you develop. It's a muscle, no different than your biceps or your abs or something like that. And so confidence and and working on confidence and posture, and I don't just mean your physical posture. I literally mean What kind of posture do you take when you speak? What kind of posture do you take when you look someone in the eye? What kind of posture and sureness do you have when you share a point? Those things will make or break you. And if you find yourself listening to this and saying, oh, but I don't have that, 
then this is your wake-up call to start practicing it. This is your wake-up call to do it in a mirror, to do it on video, to do it to people that you know are non-judgmental, and quite honestly, to do it to strangers because who the hell cares what a stranger thinks about you anyways? Mm. Like take those swings, strike out a few times, big deal, because they weren't meant to be in your life anyways. But you're not going to develop this confidence. You're not going to develop a swagger or a sureness without exercising that muscle. And if you don't exercise that muscle and develop it, then you're going to continue to wonder why everybody else is getting the breaks and you're not. Mm, so true. I, the, that's the probably the biggest thing that I've been learning recently is how important confidence is. Because you and I have a similar background, Chris, in the fact that you're network marketing, which is one of the most hated professions on the planet. <laughs> and I'm in door-to-door -door sales, which is equally as hated or even more hated. And then you're also in car sales. So like these are all like the most hated type salespeople out there. But man, I'm so thankful for my experience in door-to-door -door sales because... Without that, I don't think that I would have the level of confidence that I have going up to people. And I don't think I could take the rejection of going up to people. And now it's just so easy and it comes so naturally. Do you have any practical advice like going door to door or try network marketing or any practical advice for somebody that's out there going, I would really like to get more confidence, but I just don't know how. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, guys, this is going to sound cheesy, but start by practicing into video, right? So set up your iPhone flip it around, hit record, and just practice speaking, practice introducing yourself, practice sharing a good idea you have, and play it back. And look at yourself and, and say, is this somebody that I would be excited to meet? Is this somebody whose idea I would consider? Is this somebody who I would partner with in business or in life? And if not, take a look at why, and then try it again. And do the whole exercise over and over and over again until you know, like it becomes that second nature with a repetitive movement, you know that you are coming across with confidence and good posture. And another great way to take that step one step further or to even start here is to do more Instagram stories. You know, the stories where you're like recording your life and <laughs> yeah. you know, here's what I'm doing today and, and here's where I'm going and here's my workout and here's like. When you do those stories and you put them out there or even Facebook lives, that is a huge challenge for people. But when you put yourself out there on social media in video form, you're exercising that muscle of coming across, you know, authentic and genuine and with good confidence at the same time as being interesting and not being worried about the feedback. And that last part is the important part, the not being worried about what other people think. And at first it'll be scary. And the next time you do it, it'll be scary. And the next time you do it, it'll still be scary, but a little bit less. And then it starts getting easier and easier and easier. And before you know it, you'll find yourself not caring and acting like a total nerd on <laughs> Instagram stories or Snapchat or Facebook Live because you, you just stop caring. Right, right. The best way to build confidence is consistency. And I believe that wholeheartedly. And it sounds like that's exactly what you're saying. So best way to build confidence is just you got to just go do it and you got to be consistent in it. And over time, your confidence will really, really start to boost itself. Chris, Throughout your career, how important have mentorships and like group mastermind settings been for your success? Oh, very. I am. Don't get me started on this topic. I'll talk all day. So <laughs> mentorship all the way back to the car dealership days. I've had great mentors. When I first joined that car dealership, there was a guy named Ron Vigil and just a nice guy. And for some reason, he took a liking to me. And at a time when all I was doing was partying in life, but he saw potential He's the one that got me that promotion into the finance department and taught me the leadership and taught me sales the best that he knew how. Hmm. And then 
when I was with the International Bank, there were a couple of people that were mentors to me. One was my boss. And it's funny, at the time that he was my boss, he drove me crazy. But one of the things he taught me was that there's a positive side to everything. His name was Mark Spiker. And I say was because unfortunately he's gone now. But he taught me there's a positive side to everything to the point where people would be like, oh my gosh, when's he going to come down to earth? He's too positive. Except guess what? That seeped into my DNA and I'm the happiest, most positive individual on the planet and it pays dividends, right? When I can see the the can-do side of things, when I can not let the bad stuff get me too low, then I'm the one that's out in front of the race because everyone else is still sitting back wallowing in their sorrow, right? Or spreading the gossip or talking about the bad thing that happened. And that was 10 minutes ago for me. And yeah. so mentors in that way have played a big role. You know, now some of the mentors in my life are, are guys like Lewis Howes, who is not only a great business person, but a great man, a great human being. Mm. And to have friends like that, it goes so far into continuing to hold me accountable to the kind of individual that I want to show up as day in and day out. So on the mentor side, countless examples. On the mastermind side, man, you get into a good mastermind and it is game over. I believe in them so much that I've actually launched one. This is funny. Nobody knows this. I've actually launched one secretly for 2018. All right. And get some here's exclusive what I, information here. Right? Yeah, literally. <laughs> there was only one other guy that knows when he did an interview. And I don't even think the interview is out yet. And so the reason why I believe in masterminds so much is when you get it right, when you have a room that's not too big and not too small, and here's what I mean. It's big enough where, and, and I feel like 20 people roughly is the perfect mastermind size. It's big enough where there's enough diverse ideas and people to help you in there, except it's not too big where you lose that sense of obligation and family and the chance to really get to know each other. Hmm. When you get that sweet spot and when somebody frames the mastermind as guys, this is your family this year. Damn it. You're going to treat them like family. And when they need something, you're going to be there. If you have an idea, you're going to share it. If you have a talent, you're going to share it. If you have a connection and you feel comfortable, you're going to share it. And it is your responsibility for your family's success by the end of this year. When it is framed that way and everybody owns that role and they get to know each other on a deep level, you can 2x, 5x, 10x your business in ways that you never thought were possible. And so whether... I don't care what mastermind you find out there. Make it a goal to get into a mastermind for 2018. You won't believe what you've been missing. Man, I agree with that on so many different levels. And uh, you and I met Chris at uh, Thrive, which is a conference put on by Cole Hatter. And I recently, just a couple of days ago, invested into his mastermind and going to be a part of that for all of 2018. So I'm taking Chris's advice. If you're listening, you should be taking Chris's advice, which is a perfect opportunity for me to plug the mastermind that I'll be starting here at the end of 2017, beginning of 2018. And if you want to learn more about that, just go over to buildyournetwork.co forward slash FB to join my Facebook group. And then from there in the Facebook group is really where I dive into what the mastermind is going to be about. But And it's going to be exactly what Chris said. It'll be close to 10, 20 people, depending on how many interested people we have coming in. And it'll be a great opportunity to get to know more people and to really start multiplying the business that you're doing currently. So, and I did not tell Chris that I was doing that and he did not tell me that he has his own no. mastermind and stuff. So it's not it's a bit funny that we're both kind of on the same wavelength as when it comes to well, that. I'm, listen, I'm such believers in it. And so I'll be very transparent. Last year, Lori and I joined a mastermind that cost $50,000 to be a part of. Wow. And the year before that, we joined one that was 
thousand dollars. Like when I say I take these things serious, man, I take these things serious. And I'll give you an example. Last year's mastermind, we made our money back in the first half of the first day of the year directly from one idea that came in that mastermind. Oh, Isn't that man. wild? Yeah, that's that's the power. That's the power of masterminding, of getting together with like-minded people who all have a good agenda. I just feel like if you find the right mastermind, you find the right fit for you, you're going to be rubbing shoulders with a bunch of people who just care about helping each other out. And there's no negative connotations. And there's it's just a good environment to get yourself in. And it helps you up-level not only your inner circle, but also your business. And so, man, this is so, so, so key and so important. Chris, I'm you and I could probably sit here and talk about networking for days. So I'm going to go ahead and, and transition us into what I like to call the random round, which is basically just a few quick, really random questions with some quick random answers. You ready? Ready. This is the random round. What profession other than your own do you think it'd be fun to attempt? <laughs> Playing NFL football. I, I don't have the talent, but I would give anything to play NFL football. If you could sit on a park bench with someone past or present and talk to them for an hour, who would it be and why? Oh, man. Right now, probably Richard Branson. I love his mix of ambition and success at the same time as his spirit of giving and philanthropy and making the world a better place. How do you like to learn best books, blogs or podcasts? Books. And as a fellow podcaster, it's funny that that's my answer, but there's something old school about holding a book that is such therapy for me. And I love reading entrepreneurs biographies that's what i learned the most from what is one of your favorite books you've read recently definitely the elon musk biography and the richard branson losing my virginity biography and the book tuesdays with maury i read that book once every single year in march wow okay give us a glimpse of your morning routine i'm a huge fan of strict morning routines because if you're not your best version of yourself for everybody else the rest of the day, then you know who wants a half happy, a half fueled up, a, a half healthy version of you. So I wake Lori up, my wife, I wake her up to a mantra. And every morning I wake her up to, I'm happier, healthier, wealthier, and more fit than I was yesterday. And I make her say it back until she says it like she means it. Like she hates me anymore. I'm like, say it like you mean it, say it like you mean it. <laughs> and then I immediately quickly close my eyes and just say a 60 second prayer of everything I'm grateful for. And it's so juvenile. I wish you could hear it in my mind. It's like, oh, I'm grateful for these warm sheets and thank you for this beautiful home and thank you for the sunshine pouring in. Thank you for my wife next to me and thank you for my health and my wealth and thank you for this and that. And it's different every day, which is whatever pops into my mind. And think about it. I've what invested two minutes into my morning so far and I'm absolutely in the right frame of mind the minute my feet hit the ground. So you can't get out of bed on the wrong side if those are the first two things you wake up to. And then we go downstairs, we have our coffee. Lori and I are, are rather quiet in the morning and we read. Matter of fact, we have a rule that we have to read 10 pages before we can turn on any social media. This because we found ourselves waking up and clicking on Instagram or something right away. So mm -hmm. we have to read 10 pages or more before any social media. And those 10 pages always turn into 20, 30, 40 because, of course, you get into your book. And then we do a quick meditation, usually five to 10 minutes. I'm a big fan of shorter meditations. You get it done instead of one that's so long that you know, unfortunately, you say, oh, I don't have time. You start skipping it. Then we go to the gym. And when I say the gym, there's all sorts of different workouts and classes and trainers and all that stuff that we go to. And then when we get home, that's when we finally part ways. And we have a rule. And this doesn't work for everybody. But we have a protected us time until 11 o'clock in the morning. Nobody can reach us. No business partners. No anybody other than our best friends and our family. 
And that is because that is our protected space to put ourselves first and to make sure we do the things that we care about so that we can be the best versions of ourselves for everybody else the rest of the day. I love that. That's awesome. I probably could talk about that for another few minutes too, but I got to move on to the next question here. What is your go-to pump up song? Oh man, that's a good one. I don't have a go-to. I love EDM and hip hop. Matter of fact, I love music so much. It's, it's the most eclectic. If you guys follow me on Instagram and I go running, you'll hear my really weird eclectic mix of songs. I'll post <laughs> once in a while. So anything, I love music. It gets me moving. What are you not very good at? I am not very good at asking for help. And that's been a muscle that I've been trying to exercise this past year and it's gotten better, but I'm not good at asking for help. And it's not out of ego of thinking I don't need it. It's actually out of fear of feeling like I'm burdening the other person who's probably busy just like me. And as we get everything wrapped up here, Chris, what is one place where we'll be able to find you the most? The easiest way to communicate with me is on Instagram at Chris W. Harder. Make sure you get the W in the middle there, Chris W. Harder. Otherwise, you can find me in my podcast at fortheloveofmoney.com or on iTunes at fortheloveofmoney.com. Fortheloveofmoney.com for all things on Chris's podcast. And then to follow his day, his story, and his routines, head over to Instagram at Chris W. Harder. Chris, thanks so much for coming to the show today, man. Had a blast. Travis, seriously loved it. Thanks for having me. That's all for this episode of Build Your Network. Your next step is to visit byn.media slash FB to join in on our Facebook group for more personal engagement, proven strategies, and tactics to reach your ultimate goals. That's byn.media forward slash FB. Remember, you're only one connection away. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.